This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by Alternative Media. Are you working on a massive project and need some help? A&M offers a wide range of professional services from e-learning and training development, comics, graphic novels, 3D model creation, and virtual reality experiences. Follow Alternative Media on Twitter at A-N-M underscore tweets to stay updated or visit alter-native-media.com today to set up a free consultation. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Josh Cavalier about video strategies in learning and development. Hi, Josh. Hi, Betty. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, I am excited. I'm so excited you're here too. So hey, help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? I don't know if it could be quick. Uh, I have been in the e-learning space now for, uh, now we're creeping up towards 30 years, which is crazy. But I first got started in the 90s as an art director for an e-learning firm in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I still reside. I did that for about five years or so, and in 1999, I formed Lodestone, which is a training company, and we focused in on Macromedia and Adobe tools. I ramped that up to about five locations, about 12 employees, 40 contractors, and then the Great Recession hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the Great Recession, it was like a death by a thousand cuts, and I eventually became a solo entrepreneur. I picked up a big job. Uh, the last couple years. And within the last three months, I am actually working for a corporation. So it's been about 20 years since I've worked for somebody. So it has been uh, quite a ride uh, mm-hmm. over the course of my career. Are you having a good time working for that corporation? Yeah, I am. And yeah, it, I, but it is challenging, uh, especially with the COVID environment and uh, the pressures with that. Uh, the position that I have and the role that I play, it's been challenging, but it has been fun because I've learned a lot, uh, not just you know, like the corporate you know, flow and, and how people work together, but also how large corporations move and become agile in mm-hmm. environments like today. And that, that's been really, really awesome to see how uh, a lot of talented people can come together and make things happen fast. Very cool. So do you remember how we met? Yeah, you were in my micro video class at DevLearn 2018, and uh, that was a one day, which should have been a three day class. Oh, it definitely <laughs> should have been a three day class. So yeah, I know. Time. Uh, but we did the best that we could in one day. But I would say, Betty, that we really connected the following year or 2019 at DevLearn on a side table near the vendor booths. Uh, it was the, uh, you know, where they have the open, uh, I'm going to say open house. I can't, I'm not using the right words. Open but seating, open seating. Yes, open seating. And I think there was food and drinks. And there was, we con- there we was con- vodka involved, I remember. <laughs> yeah, we connected. And I, we had a wonderful discussion because at the time we were both, uh, in, you know, solo entrepreneurs trying to navigate the, um, you know, the curtain environment and talking strategies and some things I was doing there at DevLearn, 
like giving away free consulting time. And we just had a real pleasant conversation. I enjoyed we, it thoroughly. We did. And I'm glad that we can come back together today and chat a little bit about video strategies in learning and development. Um, I know for me, I had just started really using video in like an effective way uh, in the past couple of years. Um, in fact, probably mid 2018, before I took your session, uh, we started dabbling in it. And at least professionally, I was dabbling in it because previously, many moons ago, I had used and created videos using a program called Sony Vegas. Do you remember yeah. this? Do you oh, remember yeah. that? I remember Vegas. Yeah. 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 And 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 what's interesting is Camtasia is not terribly unlike Vegas, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as functionality goes. And so right. I think, you know, as I started to get to you know, start working with Camtasia, all of that sort of came back to me. Now, the thing I remember, though, here's the first, we're already on our first tangent, and it's been like three minutes, I've been on this uh, podcast. So, <laughs> um, but the thing I remember is that I, I created a video for my mom's 50th birthday. And yeah. so I had to scan photos. This was like 15 years ago. I had to scan in each photo, which mm-hmm. took forever. Because I had to put it in, hit the scan button, then I had to select an area, then I had to hit the scan button again, then I had to yes. save it, and then yes. I had to do it again. And I'm, yes. I must have done it for like 400 photos. It was a labor of love, for oh, sure. It was rough times. It took <laughs> yes. a long time. And then I, she had some slides. Do you remember slides? Been there, yes. Yeah, so I had to scan slides, which was a totally different attachment and even more steps. Yep. And then when I'd actually got time to, to do the video, you know, at the time, the the speed and the processing uh, capabilities were not much in computers. And so it was a slow go. But yeah. uh, that, so that was sort of like, as I started to get into video about mid 2018, professionally started using Camtasia and all of that came back to me. Um, so anyways, my point in all of that is saying that I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there that are still even toying with the idea of video in and of itself. And probably thinking it's just another skill set that they have to pick up. So they'll just do it later. They'll, we'll do it later. Yeah. Eventually we'll get there. Well, okay. Enter COVID-19. Yes. And all of us have now been thrust into a much more robust digital age. And as of the taping of this podcast, there is still no end date to that whole COVID-19 thing. So, That's right. you know, we're really likely to kind of come up out of this thing as a whole different being when it comes to learning and development. So, you know, given that, I figured let's talk about where I personally think everyone should get going, which is digital. Um, and the great entry point is video. I think that the last eight weeks has been transformational when yeah. it comes to learning and development organizations. I, I can't imagine the amount of velocity that individuals and groups had to move to Mm -hmm. take their training online, to take uh, in-person classes and get them online. I mean, I just, it's mind boggling. It's, It's actually numbing to think about all the efforts that have happened across all learning development the last eight weeks to become nimble, and, and words like agile and minimal uh-huh. viable product. And, you know, all these terms come to mind where people had to move a whole sales force for a sales force that was doing in-person calls. Mm-hmm. Now it's online. I mean, it, I just, that's just one example. Absolutely. Video for, for many people, uh, whether it be a webinar, 
or doing a recording and putting thing out, you know, putting content out there. It, it's the low hanging fruit. I mean, anybody can hit the record button, but I think the challenge, and I'm really pragmatic when it comes to thinking about content and what is the best medium for the message? How are my users going to consume the content? It just so happens today that many people are at home and they happen to have a corporate laptop, laptop or a PC or anything like that. They can, can consume video, whether it be on their desktop or tablet or mobile. So, I mean, the and the bandwidth is there also. So it's, it's easy to consume, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And sometimes a very simple job aid will get, will get it done. You know, when I think about putting together a learning plan or learning strategy, all those things are under consideration. Who is my audience? How are they going to consume it? But then if you do create a video, well, what's the maintenance on that? Are we, Mm -hmm. you know, are we able to track uh, what we need to in regards to uh, KPI or uh, any kind of metric that we, we think that we need to track? I'm all about, I mean, I love video. And mm-hmm. I love creating video, but, but sometimes it's not, it's not the answer. You know, I don't um, recommend anyone in this industry to say, Hey, we're all, we're going to go all in on video and everything we're, we're going to do is video first. I, I sure. think that's short-sighted. You know, that's, that's my take on it is that we we've had this massive surge of video based content. And I, I still think folks are really trying to figure out, okay, we, we did it. We hit the record button, but now what do we do? Where do mm-hmm. we store it? How do we, you know, can we search for the content? Yeah, all those questions that they had before when they hadn't started doing video, they're all still there. They're just yeah. moving forward anyways without answering them and because they have to. And sometimes that is how we get to the next level is we're forced to go there. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. I think that you have to think about it as a whole, uh, the whole picture. Um, so let's start with the sort of the why then, right? So what to you, what is the benefit of delivering content through video? Like why should we, mm-hmm. why should we consider that modality when we design learning solutions? For me, video gives you many opportunities to leverage the medium. And let me, let me get into that a little bit deeper. You know, when you hit the record button, think about all the various things that are going on while the video is being recorded. You have the audio channel, you have images that are being captured at 30 frames per second. And if you have a 4K camera, those images are at resolutions that can be printed. And so, you know, during the recording process, there are multiple media derivatives that can be created from a video. I can go in and uh, take the audio track and do a uh, like a, a closed caption track or, or a transcript. I can go in and do stills. Uh, if I'm doing screen captures, I can go ahead and extract the screen captures and use them as part of a job aid with, with the text. There's so many things that you can do from a planning standpoint if it's done properly. You know, for a lot of folks, just hitting the record button is a win. But if you're very strategic and you plan ahead, there are so many benefits to actually doing um, a, a video that is scripted and planned and orchestrated. And mm-hmm. you know all those media derivatives that you're going to create. I think that's the, the biggest opportunity out there is to, to really plan ahead 
and understand what the possibilities are for all these outputs. How can we use video effectively uh, throughout the learning journey? So, so what are some hot tips that you have for that? First, let's just describe for folks who don't know, like, you know, what is the learning journey? What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately for some people, it's like, uh, here, take this in-person class and here's some follow-up content and you know, go out and try it in the field or, you know, and that's, that's the learning journey. But if, it, you yeah. have the pro- if you have the proper time, if you have the proper budget, there, there is a very uh, methodical way to take somebody along to be able to have a concept and retain it uh, or put it in the long-term memory. So, you know, when you start, you have to build awareness. You have to think about their behavior and what's their motivation. Are they motivated to learn? Uh, and then, you know, prior to a training event, there's pre-training. There's, there's awareness there. There's the training event itself. There's post-training. There's performance support you know, student generated, student generated content. I mean, there, there's so many things that can go along along the the learning journey. Each step videos are orchestrated and created differently. You know, let's, let's talk about the beginning of the learning journey when I'm trying to get someone excited or build, build awareness of Mm -hmm. a new topic. Those videos are going to be emotional they're going to have music. They may have some learning concepts in it, but we're not really going for learning at this point. We're really going for engagement. Uh, yes, totally. Awareness, engagement. Wow, there's a new program going out. I can't wait to use this new tool. Look at this new process. Look at this new system, whatever the case may be. And then as you get closer to the training event itself, where you're going to have the biggest part of knowledge transfer, then you start orchestrating the videos differently. You may pull back on the emotion, mm-hmm. add components in there where they can actually retain information. There's a huge difference. You know, being entertained uh, and gaining attention is one thing, but when when you have to flip the switch and have somebody consume content for memorization or to, to make sure they can recall it, it's a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so as we get into those training videos, the actual training event itself, we, you know, we, use emotion more strategically. I'm not saying take it out. I mean, the the best training videos actually use emotion like as fence posts mm-hmm. to, to re, you know keep that attention. And then boom, you have like the big content that you're going to remember. And then like there's reinforcement in the video and, um, you know, call to action at the end. And what are you going to do next now that you've learned this part? With performance support, you completely remove the emotion. There's no reason to have any kind of emotion and performance support. I just need to know the answer <laughs> like now. Right. right. Uh, and, and so don't give me the eight minute B-roll intro. I just I just need the answer. I think for folks that are just getting started, you know, you, you look at YouTube, you look at commercials and they find their inspiration in, you know, all these different platforms. And unfortunately, I, I think that some practitioners that just are getting started with video, they get a little confused or, or they want to try something and they may, you know, try something with a lot of emotion, but they put it as part of like the core training. Right. And it may fall flat, uh, but at least they're out there trying. That's a good thing. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there are certain features that make videos more effective um, besides, of course, the sparkling personality on, in them? What makes them more effective? Well, I think it's the first five seconds. Mm. You know right away whether 
you know, when you hit the play button, whether you're going to stick around for another 20 minutes, mm-hmm. for the first five or 10 seconds, you're like, whoa, all right, I'm in for the ride or next, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you bail. Um, you know, you have to know your audience and you have to know the tone and what is going to be the emotional pull at the front part of that video. And how are you going to string the learner along uh, if it's a long form video? There, you know, I, I talk a lot about micro video professionally. And I do a lot of presentations on it, but there is room. There's plenty of room for long form video. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a there's actually a very interesting statistic. And a, a lot of these um, numbers that come out of YouTube and um, some other research um, areas, uh, like a lot of marketing companies that do video um, in, in, in addition to YouTube, what they found is that something happens at the nine, uh, nine minutes and 50 second or 10 minute mark. And so what's fascinating is that at, around that time, like if, if somebody is at that mark, and they go beyond that. They will stick around forever. They'll stick around mm-hmm. for another 10 minutes. Yep. But for folks that are looking for a piece of short content, the closer you get, you know, to 10 minutes, the more people drop off. You know, you have to again, you have to know your audience and what they're looking for. If it's a short piece of content, then okay, let's keep it to one minute. Can we keep it to two minutes? You know, I'm not saying like you have to peg your video exactly at that time marker. But, you know, you have to make it as long as it needs to be based upon what your audience is looking for. When I went through your class in 2018, uh, one of the the assignments that you gave us was to make a video. And I think it had to be three minutes. Yeah. And then we had to take it and make it one minute. (laughs) Yes. And then we had to take it and make it 30 seconds. That's correct. I'm not going to lie. I want to strangle you. Because that was really hard. Three yes. minutes to one minute was not awful, but it was still difficult. And getting it down, we couldn't. Even, we couldn't even get the thirty seconds. We couldn't. There was. We couldn't get all three of our points in in thirty seconds. We, not with the footage that we had. And, um, but I appreciated that exercise still because it helped you think about what is really the most important information that you're trying to put across the most important content so that if you had to do it in 30 seconds you know how could you make sure you still got it across so i appreciated it even though i also loathed it at the same time well i i appreciate that (laughs) a little bit of sometimes a little bit of pain is good that's how we grow it is speaking of commercials video that type of stuff so let's just take a pop culture break for a second and tell me can you think of a time when you experienced some sort of pop culture content where in the first five seconds you were hooked uh in the first 10 minutes you were hooked like hook line and sinker you were watching the whole thing and then maybe showed it to your friend and then you showed it to somebody else can you think of one you know, the first thing that came to mind was the first time I saw Michael Jackson's thriller video. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Right? I do it every time. So that at the time, you know, so I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. It, it was, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, no one had. No one no, had. No, immediately got my attention and I knew things were different. It, it was, you know, taking what was 
essentially, you know, music videos is really, you know, your buddy getting a camera and, you know, renting a warehouse for an afternoon and, and cutting the video. This yeah. was the complete opposite. This was full. It was like a movie. Yes. It was a mini movie yeah. and uh, it was done so well and you know, all the special effects and all of that. So, yeah, I, even before seeing the video, I knew I was going to watch it all the way through. It wasn't something that you were not going to turn off or right, uh, right, right, not right. watch all the way through. Uh, that, so that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Recently, I came across Josh Gad's Goonies reunion. This is a newish thing. Have you seen this yet? I have not. So you know who Josh Gad is? Yes. Okay. And you know the Goonies. In fact, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm yep. pretty sure my family's watching it downstairs right now. Um, and so he <laughs> wanted to, because I think largely because it's COVID and he's probably just ridiculously bored. I don't know. Maybe. But he also wanted to raise money for um, organizations that are helping healthcare workers and uh, people who are out on the essential workers out on the front lines. That's great. And it's awesome. So he he decided to do a Goonies reunion. And wow. I came across it and I clicked on it. And of course, it was in the middle of my work day. Shh, don't tell anybody. And <laughs> I clicked on it and I'm like, well, I'll just watch like the first couple of seconds of it. The next thing I know, I looked down, I'd been watching it for 10 minutes and it still had another 13 minutes. And I was like, I'm watching it. It yeah, was so good. <laughs> it was so good. It was, you know, because Josh Gad is hilarious. And then he would geek out like every time somebody from the cast would join. They basically had everyone from the original cast with the exception wow. of Mama, who I can't remember the name of the actress, but she passed away a while back. And then okay. the guy that played um, Sloth, who had also passed away a while back. Everyone else, including Steven Spielberg, um, the director whose name uh, escapes me at the moment. And then Chris Columbus, like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I sat there and watched it on my phone, holding it up for like 25 minutes, completely enamored. Yeah. And then I sent it to like 10 people that I know. And so, so what was it that got me hooked? Honestly, it was, he's Josh Gad starts out talking about why he's making this video. But when he started talking about the Goonies, he was so excited that they were all going to come on and talk to him. And like, he was like a kid at Christmas or a kid in the candy store. And I related to that so much because yes. that's how I felt as a kid watching the Goonies. And so I had to stick with him. I literally was smiling the whole time. There's a couple of times oh, I was that kid, and I'm like, I can't stop smiling. That is, this is the cutest thing ever. So there was that, you know, beautiful blend of nostalgia and silly yes. and, and looking to see what all these people who were kids look like now. And some of them look okay. And some of them are like, Oh honey. And you know, so <laughs> So it, but it was a great experience. So that's what I was thinking of as you're talking about, like that first five seconds and then that 10 minute mark right. um, is that one right there. And this is the one thing about video is there's so much content out there that you can tell right away when someone's faking it, like when they're not authentic, when they mm -hmm. when they are just going through the motions where what you experienced, obviously he had joy. He was enthused, enthusiastic about the experience, which translated to you sticking around for the whole, the whole video. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think that for folks that are just getting started out, just be yourself. You know, I, I think that uh, a lot of folks will give you grace. They're not looking for perfection. They're just looking for the content that they want, whether to be entertained 
or to be uh, educated. I completely agree. Just be yourself. Yeah. Um, that's what resonates with people. Even when doing these podcasts, you know, it's audio, but like I'll get folks on. And for the most part, people can relax after the first question or so. And they, you know, they, they talk, we just have a conversation. But every right. now and then I get somebody who is almost a stage fright. And I'm like, I have to, I have to pause like after the first one and be like, okay, listen, just relax. Just pretend sure. like we just had two beers and I just asked you a question. That's how relaxed you got to be. I did. And Oh, good. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. So yeah, so that's a great, that's a great hot tip is just be yourself. There's, there's so much content out there that someone's going to see through you. If, if you're not authentic, don't put up a front, don't try to be somebody you're not. And, and, and if you feel that you need to work on your delivery and, and, and work on that authenticity so that you can feel comfortable in front of the camera, it may take some time. So yeah. there are some people where it's automatic. Um, mm -hmm. I, in my career, I've seen people wind up and knock it out of the park, one take, and it just, it leaves my jaws on the floor. Cannot believe it. Other times people, they can never get it. You know, it's just, you know, you're in there all day long and they're just not gonna be able to get it. But if they do work on it, yeah, um, they will. How do you get better at that? I, well, I think you have to be comfortable with yourself for folks that are comfortable with themselves they're able to go ahead and, and be authentic and share. I think mm -hmm. that for some individuals, they have to work on that. And um, it takes a little bit of time. But once, and I've seen many people do this, once they find their voice, look out. It, yeah. it's, it's some folks like do a 180. And I'm like, holy cow. Like when I first saw them, they couldn't even do a training video. And now they're just knocking it out of the park. Mm -hmm. So. Don't be discouraged. You know, for those of you that are just getting started and, and you're nervous, it, mm -hmm. it does take time, but keep working at it. Try to find your voice and, you know, fail forward. Just just keep at it. Um, and there will be a time when when you it, it'll click. You're like, whoa, OK, I'm going to go ahead and do it this way. I feel real comfortable and I'm just going to go ahead and just and deliver it. Boom. Uh, and it happens. And even for myself, there are some days where I will I will still get nervous. I still will, um, you know, try to premeditate and think about how I'm going to deliver something. And, and sometimes it doesn't come off. And other times where it's just like automatic and you're in the flow state and you can just like let it roll. You know, it just depends upon where, where my head's at. So, yeah. So for folks that are just getting started, stick with it. Don't don't yeah. give up. And I would say too, I'd add on to that. If you are uncomfortable on video, that means you need to make more videos. Get an app like Snapchat, or there's an app out there called Marco Polo, where you can record a video and send it to a friend, somebody that you trust, somebody that you are not going to feel that level of concern and quote unquote embarrassment that you would feel if it's a silly video or you make a mistake going out professionally just personally getting a chance to practice that. I have a couple of friends that I have on Marco Polo. Rather than sending them a text, sometimes I'll just send them a, you know, a 50 or 60 second video about this is what I'm thinking, this is what's happening, yeah. you know, blah blah blah. And I send videos just about every day because I've gotten into that practice. They're not right. videos that are published, but the more I talk on video, the more comfortable I am talking on video. So then when it is time to do it professionally, I personally don't get those jitters anymore. But I've been doing this, you know, I've been I've been making a video a day probably for three years. 
Right. They never get published. They disappear. Like Snapchat disappears. <laughs> I love that about that. And Marco Polo just it just archives and eventually disappears. So it's just a way to practice it in a safe way so that you feel comfortable until you feel comfortable. I see a lot of people with Instagram accounts where they're just posting pictures sure. and pictures and pictures and then they start their first video. And then everything is a video. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's much easier than you think. All right, so let's talk analytics. Are yes. there video analytics? Like, and what if there are, what can we learn from them? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> you know, first it's like, you know, what is the the KPI or, you know, what are we tracking from a business standpoint, if, if that's what we're looking for? Or if, if it's marketing or if it's your own, you know, video that you have up on YouTube, you know, what's the what's the reason why I need to go ahead and get a metric? or validate? Is it mm -hmm. the number of views? Is it the amount of time that they're hooked, staying around the video? Is it geographic? You know, is it the location that they're coming from? There's all kinds of data that we can get from a video view. Only recently, there has been opportunities to get really salient points with analytics from a learning standpoint. Let's say I put a video up on my video content management system, and I'm trying to figure out, let's say it's a 10 minute video, what are the important points mm -hmm. uh, of that video? And so we can get analytics when somebody scrubs back to a point and releases, you know, so we have audience retention and that that's really interesting where you actually see where people are dropping off and people are scrubbing to a certain location. It's actually a great pointer or, or an, a mark or an indicator where you could uh, segment your video. Typically for long form training videos where people are scrubbing to a, a point in the, in the video is actually the beginning of a learning objective. I've seen mm -hmm. that numerous times. It's a tell. It's a really good tell. This is my favorite one though with, uh, and unfortunately I don't think we have enough time to go into what XAPI is and all the nuances of it. But That's just, a different podcast. Yeah. The, the short of it is uh, XAPI allows you to track anything in the wild in regards to a learning experience. My favorite is when somebody's watching a video and they hit the pause button, that, that's an important point. Like for some reason they hit the pause button. I don't know why they hit the pause button. Something came up or there's a phone call or they had to use the bathroom or whatever. I don't know if they hit the pause button. But my favorite is when they hit the pause button and they take a note. That's huge. Yeah, that's a big deal. And those types of salient points we can track now, especially with XAPI, uh, if you're integrating uh, XAPI with a JavaScript player and you're able to grab those individual moments where a user is engaging and interacting with the player, taking a note, drawing or, you know, whatever they're doing with the video, doing a screen capture, that to me, that information is going to give you massive insights into the different points that are in incredibly important to your audience members and allows you to then to go ahead and make either derivatives or, you know, a micro video off of a, a segment of a video that somebody was, you know, your audience was looking at. Uh, we weren't able to do this before. Yeah. You know, to have that kind of granular type of uh, tracking going on with the way that somebody is deep diving into a video and, and interacting with that video. That's very true. And I like the idea of taking that space that they're hovering over and turning that into some sort of micro element that you can inject into other trainings or send out as a reinforcement boost or something like that. That's right. Um, so using those analytics to kind of figure out where are the places we should highlight because this is the most interest to people. Very neat. Hmm. Analytics. 
Who'd have ever thought we'd get so much information? What video strategies should we employ during this COVID-19 time? I mean, is there is there really a difference now versus when we're not in a pandemic state? I think for many organizations, just hit the record button. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you have to give yourself some grace during this time, and, and there's going to be a lot of mistakes made. And as long as your management gives you that room, go for it. I think the easiest thing you can do, the easiest thing you can do is that when you have a sales presentation, when you have a meeting where there's a presentation going on, hit the record button, mm-hmm. especially for sales, you know, sales enablement, where there's some type of quick training that's going to happen, or someone's modifying a sales process because of COVID-19, and we have to do a telemarketing or tele telesales, hit the record button. You would be you would be amazed at some of the platforms that are out there that you may have within your learning ecosystem where you can not only hit the record button, but you can then go ahead and put highlights in that recording. You can get the recording transcribed. You can do screenshots from the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of derivatives that you can create that have high value or high impact with, with without a lot of work on your end. Again, many, many platforms have that built in. I would just double check and make sure that yours has that. But that would be the, that would be like a start um, because it doesn't require any equipment. You already have the online tool to deliver the webinar. If, if it doesn't record, then get a tool like Camtasia where you can go ahead yeah. and do a screen recording and grab the audio. And there you have an asset that that's high value because if you have, you know, a group of 50 or, you know, a hundred people watching some type of, you know, big meeting because it's a new strategy we got to implement next week because of COVID. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to record that. <laughs> now I'm not going to record sure. it. We're going to make it available so people can rewatch it or rewatch segments of it. I'm, and actually, sure. I'm, a lot of my time is spent evaluating when it would be good to hit the record button. And when I do hit record, I do just that. I, I create a recording with highlights because one of the things that you have to be careful of, even if you do hit record is you don't want to create a piece of media where someone has to wade through it and they're right. wasting their time. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to have time empathy. Uh, so someone can search, find the answer they're looking for, find the concept being described, and they can get to it immediately. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, th- and then the next question I was going to ask was, how can we as learning professionals get started? But it, I have a feeling you're going to say, just hit record. Yeah. I, I, again, I think this goes back to what I first talked about is is make sure that video is the correct solution mm-hmm. for your learning mix, for your content mix. Can it be consumed properly? How am mm-hmm. I going to store it? Can it be retrieved? I mean, there's a lot of questions. You know, w- once you have a recorded video, there, there's a lot of things that are going to happen with that piece of media throughout its lifetime. Yeah. And that's something I always say whenever I'm designing learning solutions is, you know, as we're looking at the content that you have, if there is a piece that you always say the same way every time, it's a good candidate for video. It's not a shoe in but it's a candidate because if we can capture it in a way that is engaging, interesting, and maybe even throw a story behind it, then we can make sure that everyone, it's an equalizer, right? So everyone gets the same information the same way every time. And so if there are pieces of content that need to be done that way, 
and don't change very often is usually another caveat I throw in there. Uh-huh. Video is a is a high level candidate. That doesn't mean it's the right one because you're right. Sometimes a job aid will do the job. It'll do the yes. trick. So so don't think that video is always the answer, but video could very much be the answer, especially with content that doesn't change and needs to be equal across the board. And it's funny because when you say that to the line of business, they're like, oh, really? And I think I think because they're thinking in their head, there has to be this massive production studio, like mm. what they see in behind the scenes footage. And it's like, no, not really. I mean, there are ways for us to do it. Low budget, um, no, no touch, right? Which is important right now. And, um, you know, we don't even have to be in the same room and we could create an engaging video as long as you have the skill set to do that. So um, yes. So I think that's something that's important to keep in mind. For a lot of folks, you know, they, when they're getting started, they feel that, oh, I got to go ahead and get my green screen. I got to get a camera. I got to get lights. You know, I got to get all this equipment. What I would do is simply take an inventory of what your current reality is in regards to learning events or learning interactions that happen within your current ecosystem. All right. Now, this could be, you know, a webinar via Adobe Connect or some other you know, platform like that. It could be stand-up instruction, whatever. There's all kinds of different things that are currently going on. Take a close look at those and ask the question, can I record this? Can Mm -hmm. I put a camera in the classroom with a microphone? Can I hit the record button on that webinar? If I do record it, how do I make sure that it's high value Mm -hmm. and that it's searchable or it's accessible? That way you don't have to build a studio. You don't have to, uh, you know, feel compelled that you have to go and like get B-roll and <laughs> do all kinds of, you know, crazy production, you know, hire actors and you get a set and, you know, right. we used to do all kinds of craziness like that. We had budgets. Right. Right. Well, what are we currently doing? And, and is it as simple as me going in and just getting Camtasia and doing some screen recordings and getting that out there? Is that a win? And and sometimes those baby steps, see, what's great about that is that management, you don't have, (laughs) they don't have to outlay any money. It's basically, it's like, all right, we're already doing this. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, hit the record button on this webinar and then just edit it with Camtasia or some other tool. I would start there. You know, don't, don't go for the, the new, go with what you got and can we create media outputs or video outputs from from what we already have in the can, from what's already being produced, and, and then take it from there? That's good advice. As we are wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I ask all sure. my guests. So the first one is, how do you align your passion with your work? For my whole life, it's been a mixture of art and science For throughout my whole career. I've always went back and forth between the scientific aspect of communications. And so if I'm doing something along those lines, whether it be at work or, you know, talking out in front of folks and speaking or whatever, that's how I keep it going is if I am able to mix those two together, then that is the, that's like the secret sauce for, for me. (laughs) That I can, I can keep going on something forever and remain passionate about it. Uh, if, if there's a scientific aspect and there is an art aspect to it. What is the message that you would want to get out to our listeners? What do you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy one. You know, give yourself some grace. 
uh, as you you know progress and, and you navigate your way through learning and development, uh, if you want that to be your career. You know, since I started in the 90s, there has been this progression of lumping on top of, a, you know, job descriptions for, you know, what it takes to be in L&D. The jobs, they used to be separate, ID mm -hmm. or instructional design and graphics and development and all these things were separate. Now, everybody wants individuals who know it all. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this my whole career. It's tough. You you have to give yourself some grace and be focused in on just, you know, what you're good at and and, and take in just a little bit at a time. I, I think for, for individuals who are trying to do too much too soon, they're going to go ahead and get frustrated. So, you know, find those little, you know, secondary areas that you can, you can latch onto and put in, in your tool belt. Don't try to put the whole tool belt on all at once. I'm matter of fact, Betty, I'm still learning. I learn stuff all the time. And I think you I will can. my whole career. For sure. I like that message. It's one that I think we all need to hear. Um, no matter, no matter where you are in your career, I think it's important to hear that message. So how can people connect with you if they want to after the show? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Josh Cav. You can also find me on LinkedIn and also at joshcavalier.com. Well, thank you so much, Josh Cavalier, for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you so much, listeners. Watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out. <laughs>